Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the start of the 2019 Syracuse football season. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick-Schulte, and our guest today is former Syracuse defensive end and host of the trademark podcast, Tyler Morona. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the program. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Tyler, I want to get you started on this one. You were a two-sport college star. You played defensive end at Pasadena Community College and Syracuse University. You went on to play baseball at Providence Christian College. Talk about those experiences and catch us up on what you're up to now. Yeah, so, I mean, well, first off, um, going to Pasadena City College, that was, um, you know, really for me just to try to get more exposure, um, try to get a better you know, grouping of scholarships that I could choose from. And it worked out really well. Um, I was a qualifier at a high school, which means that my grades were, you know, good enough to, to move on to a D1 program at a high school. It's just, um, I had a, I've, I just had an injury, you know, kind of sprinkled career that uh, definitely hurt my recruiting and then overall hurt my um, playing career at Syracuse. But, um, you know, that was kind of the reasoning for that. And then when I went, when I moved on to play baseball, it was something just to fill time. I've, I've never really been good with idle time. So um, that's uh, <laughs> definitely a reason why I wanted to do that. And, um, you know, it was, it was an experience. It was something that, you know, it was great. I, I made some good friends along the way. But like I said, it was just something to keep myself busy, get a degree um, from a place in, in my hometown of Pasadena, California. And, um, you know, what I'm up to now, I'm just trying to be like you, man, just trying to, uh, you know, talk about orange football and ultimately, um, you know, hopefully hoping to get back into a uh, football department to, uh, to work one of these days. So that's kind of what I've landed on. So just working on that. And then, um, you know, just really excited for the football season. That's a perfect segue into my next question, because I mentioned at the top of the show, you're the host of the Trademark Podcast on Syracuse Football. Search Trademark Podcast on Syracuse Football on iTunes if you want to find out more about it. Tyler, tell me about the genesis of it and what led you to do it. So, again, you know, just filling time. Uh, I think podcasts in general are like my favorite thing to just consumption-wise because it's all a cart. You know, you can stop and start whenever you want. It's radio and, you know, you're – but it's in this this, this medium of podcasting that's digital. You can, you know, host it on a site for virtually nothing. Um, and you know, it's, it's a good way just to connect. I've, I've loved talking. I mean, that's something that I love to do. I love human interaction. Um, and I actually did some, 
some work, you know, at a, um, a facility in Los Angeles right after college, right after graduating from uh, Providence Christian College. And then from there, I kind of took what I learned and parlayed that into um, hosting the show now. And at first, it was just something to do. And now it's really turned into me, you know, enjoying football and talking about football. Um, and, you know, something that I really love, and that's the, the Syracuse football team. And, you know, I, I had a little bit of a connection being on the team. But what I really wanted to do was bridge the gap between my experience and what I, you know, all of what I did in Syracuse and to people who cared about listening. And now that's turning into talking to really cool people about, um, you know, the team. And it gives me, like I said, it's a great excuse to uh, not get in trouble. So I, <laughs> I really appreciate <laughs> on it. Well, let's talk a little Syracuse football then. Something that made Syracuse so tough last season was the edge rush abilities of defensive ends, Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman. Obviously, you're a former defensive end at Syracuse yourself. So what do you see in their technique and their strength and their mental makeup that makes them so special to you? Man, they're, you nailed it. They are special players, uh, you know, and they're great because they're opposite, yet they're equal in their abilities. And what I mean by that is Kendall Coleman definitely a guy that has a little bit more um, bulk on him in a way that is able to do something that's not – or specialize in something that's what – is defensive ends and defensive line coaches will call setting the edge, making sure that a running back doesn't get outside of Kendall and, you know, to stretch the side of the field to get the corner and, you know, run upfield for big chunk yardage plays. Um, and he does a really good job uh, pushing the offensive linemen back to make sure that the linebackers and the safeties can come up and, and help out on those run plays. Whereas with Alton Robinson, he is a guy that is a pass, pass rusher. And he is special. I mean, he can juke out, uh, you know, a, a guy that's six six, three hundred pounds. That's nimble on his feet. I mean, I saw him take two steps to the left, and then all of a sudden take two two steps back to the right, and have an offensive lineman, you know, crossed over like he was James Harden. So I mean, there's there's two different types of you know abilities that these guys have. But you, Elton Robinson also led the team in tackles for loss last year. And Kendall Coleman also had a three sack game against West Virginia in the bowl game. So it's not like they're, you know, so unique that they're just specialized in their roles, but they, they're, I get the best thing that they do is different from each other, which is awesome that they have such balance across that uh, defensive line. And that, you know, that, and that ripple effect goes all the way across um, the defense and the team. You see that when they do well, the team's doing well. And when they go, the team goes. So, uh, that makes me super proud as a uh, former defensive end, and it makes me feel like, um, you know, we're we're heading for a great season with those two guys returning. Tyler, once again, another perfect segue into my last question. You talked about Syracuse being in for a great season. We'll get you out of here on this one. How do you see the year playing out in wins and losses? Give me a prediction on how the season will go, especially with the high expectations coming in. So I think, I mean, expectations are, at least for fans, that's kind of like the um, the currency on which we we hope for this season to go. Um, and that's, you know, I think it's great. I think that this team is finally in a position to use that as a, uh, as a springboard and use last year as a springboard into what should be the new norm of winning nine, 10 games. I see us being right in there. I said uh, on another show on Saturday that I think that, there's no way that they lose more than two conference games. And I don't think that they lose any non-conference games, which leaves me at a 10 and two record. However, if I were to hedge a little bit, I'd say nine and three, but I think anywhere from nine and three to 10 and two um, is a, you know, just kind of doing a duplicate of last year, hopefully improving a little bit, but 
to me at least, that's that's where I see us being. And I see us being in that range for a long time, hopefully better too. Tyler, awesome stuff. I want to thank you for coming on the program. Again, if you want to hear more from Tyler, search iTunes for Trademark Podcasts on Syracuse Football. Tyler, great job. Enjoy the football season. We'll speak with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Really enjoyed having Tyler on the podcast, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist and my great friend, Jim Stickschulte. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing great, Les. How are you? Great, Jim. And I love talking to you at this time of year because that means we're right at the start of the football season and you're in the midst of publishing your annual football preview. Tomorrow's article deals with the offense and it's just in time because the depth chart for week one against Liberty was just released. One of the things that really jumped off the page to me was that right tackle. Redshirt freshman Carlos Federello is starting there with grad transfer Ryan Alexander backing Aaron Service up at left tackle. To me, that was a huge surprise. What do you think, Jim? I agree. Um, the combination of Alexander not starting uh, at a tackle spot and then Vettorello doing so was the biggest surprise and still is. It's kind of a complicated thing just because of the way they've been shuffling guys around and guys have different experience, different spots. There's, you know, I'll put it this way. There's definitely some good and some bad things taken away from it shaking out like that. Uh, you know, services, uh, Sam Heckle being healthy at center means service can play left tackle, which is great. I think the coaches have wanted uh, to get service out on the pack for a while. Um, and maybe in Stephen Bailey of Syracuse.com, in his article about the depth chart release, you know that Alexander was banged up a little bit in camp. I know he wasn't on campus until the summer, so maybe that combined for a bit of a slow start. You know, we, I think we had expectations because he was a multi-year starter at South Alabama for transferring it for his uh, graduate senior year. Um, so I think maybe that might be something where you know they want to keep his you know, he's not 100% ready to go, maybe. You know, there could be a little bit of an issue there. I just, and by the way, that's complete speculation. It's just a guess. Um, but Vettorello was listed as the you know, starting left tackle coming out of spring without everyone on campus, and not to have him starting on that right tackle. I mean, you can definitely – it definitely looks like the positive that could be taken with that is, is, you know, he's a young kid, but he may be ready to go. And if he is, that's actually a really good thing because if he's pushing someone who's an established Division One starter to a bench role – that's very promising for his future and making the line better overall. Jim, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. When I look at the depth chart there, I see that Antoine Cardi in his sixth year at Syracuse after a couple medical red shirts is actually backing up the safety and cornerback position. And then I see Scoop Bradshaw, who started for Syracuse in the past, is not listed at the top of the depth chart. What do you think is going on there? It speaks to just a stunning amount of depth that is on the Syracuse roster. I mean, you know, for an elite program, you can understand guys who have played well and been strong contributors end up getting nudged behind, a, you know, a top-end recruit. You know, but that's something that's more of, uh, you know, we might call a Clemson problem as opposed, to, as opposed to a Syracuse problem. But honestly, it's great. I mean, Bradshaw's, you know, basically a two-year starter, and now he's going to be a back as a senior. And Cordy, as you mentioned, it seems like he's been around the program, you know, he, it seems like he goes back about four head coaches with as long as he's been around. But, again, it's a great thing. He's another guy. He's got 24 starts in his career. He's he started at corner. He started at safety. He started at nickelback. So he's got that, like, Swiss Army knife ability to kind of fill in wherever. And his presence, you know, on the bench, just it underscores what kind of talent is back in that defensive backfield. And the other nice thing is it's not all old guys. You know, if – you know, Bradshaw is behind Christopher Frederick, but the development of 
the Tatu uh, Melifon with the other corners, a redshirt sophomore, is kind of the reason why Bradshaw's probably been nudged out of that starting lineup. And Cordy's going to back up Andre Sisco, and we all know about his freshman year last year. So it's not just they're getting beat out, but they're you know they're not they're getting beat out by young guys. So we're probably we're going to be at Syracuse for this year and next year, and who knows if it's another year after that, or if we dare to dream, think about guys leaving early to go to the NFL. Um, and honest, you know, it's a great problem to have. Yeah, you know, I don't know that too many good players is ever really something to be concerned about. Jim, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Yeah, with the uh, with the men's basketball team's trip to Italy in the rearview mirror now, I think there was a couple takeaways uh, that you know got people excited about with the the basketball program. Uh, Quincy Guerrier being the starter and performing well as a true freshman that's something they get excited about, it. and uh, it leads to some some good hope for his uh, freshman year and some uh, maybe some higher ceiling. You know, it worked out well, especially considering uh, Marek Dolajar could not play due to his finger injury. But at the same time. Uh, Jim Beheim's most telling comment after the trip was over was was when he compared the level of competition. I think it was to a Division II school like Lemoyne. So I think it's just something that has to temper expectations for the basketball team because if there were games where the box scores made it look like they were running guys out of the gym and raining threes everywhere, and maybe we should just slow down with the excitement level just a little bit. The ACC might be a little bit tougher than a Division II schedule. Jim, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse star Eric Devendorf. We talk about Devendorf, the basketball player, especially with his play in Beheim's Army, but he's also so involved with the charity work and the Syracuse community. A recent fundraiser of his put together 500 pairs of shoes and 75 haircuts, along with numerous snacks, books, bags, and hats for underprivileged kids going back to school. Devendorf has evolved into such a great ambassador for Syracuse basketball. I really salute his efforts. That's it for us for Jim Stick Schulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you to never underestimate the power of punctuation. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.